Bring it in, everybody. The read option, fully loaded, full cast of characters. The gang is back because, I don't know if you guys knew or been following much of the sporting world, but it's been a couple of small, little interesting things that have happened in the NFL um, that might have actually pertained to a team you have an interest to in Vito. So we're going to get through a whole lot of stuff, including some breaking news that just hit right before we recorded and then a, a third trade in three days. Uh, so we're going to just do football, football, football. This week's turning into a football week. And uh, the NFL is king, right? People make that. People say it. it's become almost like a meme of itself, but it's true, man. The NFL is king. So, boys, how are you? It's so great to have all three of us together on a Zoom screen. Vito, you're in a different city than the last time I saw you. Scotty's blurred out, so we don't know exactly where his location is. And I'm up in New Jersey still. So we're all over the place, but we're still getting shit done. Um, Vito, we'll, we'll kick it off with you, buddy. We're in a beautiful oh. pink shirt. Thank you. No, I, it's been a, it's been an incredible week um, out here in Cleveland with our uh, project team here. We just had our groundbreaking for for the, the tower we're building. But the, the coolest part is um, obviously, like I said, we have a new quarterback in Denver that I'm so excited about. Uh, Russell Wilson trading for him. And we'll get into the details later. But one of the coolest parts about this week is that uh, one of the lead architects for the project, his name is Russell Wilson, who's working on this. And shout out to you, Russ, because uh, ah, it's been a lot of fun. Big Russ. Welcome. Yeah, giving him bear hugs just the whole week as, as we're passing each other. And, and in a meeting, I'm just like, thanks for joining the team, man. We're, we love to have you. We're excited about what you're going to bring us. It's It's been a lot of fun to mess around with. And, and, Dude, what, uh, a, like, what a way to just in, in initiate himself and or ingratiate himself and just like, you're always going to associate him with such wonderful things. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I know. And, and like, uh, we'll see, you know, if Russell throws some picks at the end of a game and be like, man, should have done that. Like it'll be, yeah. it'll be on him, but no, he it's, it's really fun. It's, it's uh, Vicarious. It, was, it was cool happening. <laughs> it, the, the trade, when it got announced, I was like hosting the check-in for the entire team. So there's like 80 people or whatever it is. And I'm like up with a microphone, like being an MC and my, pocket is blowing up because everyone who knows like they're like oh my god you got russell wilson and i'm looking at, at Ru like russ and i'm just like he's on my team he doesn't know it yeah it was it was a lot of fun man so shout out to you russ and uh um i can't wait to to keep making these jokes until you are sick of them but i'm just so happy that the broncos have a franchise quarterback and we do not our season doesn't depend on the arm of drew lock even though i'm a fan of it's just obviously in much better conditions with russell wilson's arm being um you know the would, arm that we're gonna trust him. i'd the, say yeah the, the the thin air man those deep balls that russ throws getting your boy you're gonna see russ to kj hamler and to jerry judy oh, it's gonna be great like he could he could turn jerry judy into the guy that we all think like believe and, he can and, be and then on top of that Cortland sutton and tim patrick are the number one and two and then judy yeah. and hamler i mean it sucks we, we did trade noah fant for him yeah but I, the thing that that blows up for me was that I was like, well, this this allows us to possibly draft my boy Grant Calcaterra somewhere in, in the mid draft there and, and, and you know, get him on the fit. squad. So it would it, it just we're definitely changing the dynamic of our team. I think we're there. We obviously have I think we have a great line, a good line and a great positions to wear on the offensive side on defense. defense. We're good enough. The Shelby Harris trading Shelby Harris actually on defense is going to 
um, be a little more impactful, I think, than people realize. He's really, really good in, in both the pass and run game. But, yeah. hey, man, I will say this. No matter what happens, it was worth it because we now have an elite quarterback in the NFL. And that it's a quarterback league. So you could have traded another two players, another t- two picks. I would have been okay with it. This is, this is without a doubt um, a win in my book. So it's yep. been a great week. How you doing, Scotty? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the calendar, but we are quickly approaching the vernal equinox, which is the uh, when the the official start of spring. But boys, I think we're headed barreling towards a sports equinox. Baseball is back. Mm-hmm. Players championship is on. NFL free agency is on. Conference tournaments run is happening. The conference tournaments are going on in basketball. The NC2A tournament is right around the corner. Masters is only three three weeks away. Next next month we'll be talking about the Masters and and uh, and the NFL draft. So I am I am just on cloud nine. I think we've uh, officially we've officially hit the point in the sports calendar because there's always the post Super Bowl dip. And that first month when there's no football, you're like, all right, I'll start watching the NBA. And, you know, you get a little news here and there. But this is the, the part where it's like, is, is this better than like peak football season even? Right. Because it's so many different things coming at you from and there's just always sports on. Well, th- it's yeah, this is how sports gumbo started, Jeff. This, this is because <laughs> yes, this- there were 12 things on it once. Exactly. And it was like, oh, well, have, uh, we'll just throw it all in a pot. It'll be good. Throw some Cajun seasoning on it. It'll be a day. Uh, Scotty Cassius, and I, yeah. Scotty and I, yeah, Tony Sessions. Uh, Scotty and I played a Jack Nicholas course last week, you know. Oh, unbelievable course. Down in, uh, unbelievable. Was, shout out to Potomac Shores. They did a, a fantastic job. Um, it was wild. I hit one of the craziest recovery shots of my life. Uh, was so really, really close to breaking 90 on a Jack Nicholas course, which the slope and the rating of that course, it is, it is a hard freaking golf course. It was tough. It um, was tough. Yeah. I had the, the best shot of my life. So on, that's on right. the perfect hole too. It's on yeah. the keystone, the main picturesque hole. Uh, and, and Scotty piped the beautiful 275 yards downhill, big swooping dog leg. It was beautiful. It was oh, beautiful. Love it. Um, yeah. But it reminded me of something uh, that the three of us are due for a round because while we can celebrate your Broncos right now, <laughs> they God did come it. up a little short. And I do you, still owe you a round. If you zero. know me, free golf, there I would do anything for free golf. I, you want to tell me to go strip naked and run on the beach and you'd pay for a round of golf? I would do it this second. I would do it this second. I will. Yeah, I'll do not even. Yeah. I, I'll do anything. <laughs> For a free round of golf. So I'm that's I'm gonna not going away. And we're gonna turn it into content. We're gonna turn it into content. I'm gonna figure out a way, gonna bring my microphone. We're gonna we're gonna record. I'm gonna spring a video camera. We're gonna put out some stuff here because with my new transition and everything, so we're gonna start doing way more video stuff, way more stuff like this on the pod. Um, so again, pleasantries aside. Uh, we are talking football. We are going to hit a little bit on the MLB thing because that broke about an hour before we started recording here as well. Um, and I have arguably the all-time random life shit for the end of the pod. So let's go. Stick around for that because I'm telling you, it's an absolutely absurd story. 
and uh, your boy was sweating it out there for a couple of days, even if it's a bit irrational. So let's get into the nitty gritty here um, about the Russell Wilson trade, right? And between all the stuff that's come over and come out over the last couple of days, right? The Carson Wentz trade is huge. Um, Khalil Mack, we just found out, is getting traded. The NFL is in full feeling like almost fire sale mode for some teams. There is nothing that's been more significant than Russell Wilson. Uh, Schefter called this the biggest trade in NFL history. I don't. Yeah. Is it Herschel Walker level? I mean, Vito, that's like right up your wheelhouse. It's right up your alley. Obviously, yeah. it's a, it's an it's an enormous deal. It's a very very big deal. But is it at that level? Are we a hundred percent sure? I think it's in the top tier, but I think it's a pretty wide tier because I I think what you're seeing and and when there are players that are younger that get traded for a lot, right? I still think that like the Ricky Williams trade. That was pretty wild. Mm. Um, yeah. With the Saints and, and Mike Ditka. <laughs> but, um, you know, th- there have been some big ones. Even even you could even throw, like, honestly, I, I put it up there in terms of, like, when John Gruden was traded, which mm-hmm. way back, and then, and then he won a Super Bowl the next year, which, yeah, the amount may have not been everything, and it was still a lot. But then to see the immediate success was great. You think about – in recent history, obviously Stafford last year, does that have an effect on what the Broncos tried to do here? Um, and what, what I say is that it's in that top tier of like, this is a big trade. When you talk about two players, right? J- just to recap, we Broncos gave up Drew Locke, Noah Fant, the tight end, Shelby Harris, defensive tackle, kind of defensive end in four, three sometimes, or in three, four. Um, and then two first round picks, two second round picks, and a fifth round pick. We received Russell Wilson and a fourth round pick. I love that. They're like, they're like, you know, no, no, no. We got to get, we'll give you a five. Give us a four. That always happens in NFL. And and NBA too. Well, I'll I'll tell you if if anyone's interested, there's a really good chart, the old draft chart. um, Jimmy Johnson. Yep. And it has points for each draft pick and everything. And they always try to make it equal out, but with players and everything, it's a little more vague. So you have players into the mix. It's totally different. Um, it's so funny when you see that. Right. But, um, what, what I would say is that we gave up two first round picks, two second round picks and two players we drafted in the first round. Mm -hmm. And so when you add all of that up, I mean, this is a, you're talking about four first round picks in the last five years, six years, you know? And so that's what makes this a little bit different is again, we're giving up first round quality players given drew lock would not be like he is not worth a first round pick by himself obviously no offense isn't either but it's definitely a significant trade to have players and picks that and they're all young going for someone who's 33 i think that's what's interesting too is that the broncos are clearly saying we believe he's going to play for another seven years or so whatever it is and we're we're willing to make this bet because he still has four or like more than four years more than manning gave us Right. He's going to give us more time than that, which is for us as Broncos fans, like that was an incredible change of our franchise. We went from Tim Tebow to Peyton Manning so quick, it changed everything. Now we're going, you know, from Teddy Bridgewater and kind of Drew Locke sometimes, and who, you know, the Osweilers and everyone that rolled through Simeon since Peyton, the 11 quarterbacks we've had since 2016 season started. We, we know that for the next, you know, six to seven years, we know exactly who our quarterback's going to be and we have confidence in them. I- I'm ecstatic about this, but 
yes, we gave up a lot. I think this is a significant hefty amount that every Bronco fan should be willing to give up though, because you're getting a incredible special player that's coming out yeah. to Denver. Well, yeah. and so one of the things here I, I've thought about and gone back, I've, I've two things here, the Khalil Mack trade, the first, the first one that sent him from Vegas to Chicago that had three first round picks in it. like that trade. For, and that was a lot less complicated. You didn't have the players going back and forth. He hadn't signed the extension yet. And that was part of the reason Chicago went out and got him is because they wanted to sign him to the long-term extension. That feels more like a, like a heavier toll to me than for Denver. Um, but I do still think probably the most undervalued thing in sports, at least from the way that fans talk about it is a second round pick like second round picks and third round picks are what take teams that are trash to teams that win super bowls hitting yep. on those picks is absolutely imperative to build teams. It's actually the, the, even though Howie Roseman sucks at drafting first round in the first round, he absolutely crushes the second round with the exception of JJ Ortega Whiteside. But Hey, you're always going to hit on one. He's got like an 80% hit rate in the second round. So I'll take that. Um, so the trade itself isn't, I don't think, isn't as big in terms of the haul and everything as people make it sound. Drew Locke, to me, you have to, it's a throwaway, right? Like if the Eagles made this trade, it would have been Jalen Hurts and the picks that go there, right? You have, you have to throw in that guy. Plus, for cap reasons, it helps line up there. Um, Shelby Harris, I'm with you. Very, very good player. He's 30. And that's typically the downhill spot for most defensive linemen, right? He can be a productive player still, but for what you're going to have to pay him and everything. And even though he's a leader in that locker room too, he's very he important is. to that defense. So you're losing that, but you're bringing in a guy who from an integrity standpoint is at the t- highest level in the league and Russell Wilson in terms of a leader, yeah. just look at DK. Man of Mac- the year. Yeah. He's yeah. Man D- of the year. He's got the patch. So D- I love DK that. Metcalf had a, an amazing post because not only did Seattle trade Russell Wilson, but they cut Bobby Wagner, which yeah. is crazy considering he might be a top five, top 10 linebacker in the history of the NFL. That dude just is that good. Um, and the other thing here is then the Noah Fant part of it, which for me, I'm not that high on Noah Fant. I really haven't been. I think his career has been pretty disappointing. However, you got to look at the quarterbacks he's played with too. And he has, yeah, I was going to say, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there on that. The other thing that really got me thinking, and you actually touched on it there in a way, Vito, when you were talking, remove Peyton and John Elway. How different really is the Broncos quarterback cycle over the last 20 years to what Cleveland's done, Right. It's not a whole lot different. Now, Cleveland's got like 20 quarterbacks, right? So obviously yeah, they're I, on I, the strong, the heavier end of the spectrum. But Denver has not been able to figure out that position out like basically since Elway to Manning and then from Manning now to Russ. You had the Jay Cutler years. Jay Cutler was fine, but I, I think we all kind of knew what the ceiling was there on him. So he was a two-pick, two-interception guy through and through. Yeah, it's it's a good question where you're leading because We've had these guys who we've drafted high come in. We, we traded up to get Jay Cutler in the draft. I'll never forget that. And that was huge. Before him, though, there are a couple guys here that, that I'm going to throw out. And if anyone remembers, it's great. The guy who took over for LA was uh, Brian Greasy, Bob Greasy's son, 
Brian Greasy calls games just, Monday just night. Just left Monday He's night. now on He's, the Niners. Yeah, quarterback <laughs> coach for the Niners. Sorry about that, Scott, by the way. I don't know yeah, why yeah. that happened. but I don't, I don't know. know. He, he actually, for us, was – He's the first poster I ever had of a football really? player. Brian, a Greasy. Brian Greasy poster. Uh, fun fact. But he, it was, he was the quarterback. Him and Clinton Portis is when I started watching football. They were our mm-hmm. team. Then we trade Clinton Portis for my favorite player of all time, Champ Bailey. Champ. And um, we anyway, we moved from, from Greasy. We went to Jake the Snake. Jake, Jake, Jake Plummer. Plummer. Yep. And he led us to an AFC championship game. I think he was probably, of my childhood, like the best quarterback I had. And that was probably the guy, but we got him, you know, he was in Arizona for a while. He, it's not, he spent his career with us. So it's a little different. Right. And um, I would say we had some good quarterbacks. We actually had at one point when Orton was on the Broncos, he ended up like, he was like fifth in yards. <laughs> I remember right? that. And, and Brandon his, Lloyd his, was a receiver who was like a top five receiver in the NFL. It was crazy. Jake, Jake Cutler got hurt. Right. And then that's how Kyle Orton started. Uh, then the, no, it was the trade. We ended up doing that trade with the Bears, and that's how we ended up with Orton. For well, yeah, Cutler. but but before Orton, because Orton, oh, he, he went in for Rex Bears. Grossman. That's yes, what that's it was. what you're thinking. It was yeah. Ky- I oh knew Kyle God. Orton replaced somebody. <laughs> uh-huh. deep. I like this. This is a, this is a fun memory lane trip. But uh, yeah. no, you're, you're absolutely right though. Like so, for us, we've had guys that like we've had almost clips of their careers. But Broncos, which is a weird kind of thing, we're not a team now that I view in my lifetime. We haven't really drafted someone that's worked out. Yeah. I, we've well, traded Sertan. I, I, on the quarterback. Well, quarterback. Position. Since Elway. Oh. Yeah. I mean, since Elway, because, that was the yeah, last because, one. Again, Jake Plummer, like you, you brought up, uh, traded. Uh, Peyton, obviously, was a free agent who came in. And now Russell Wilson. So yeah. it's a different dynamic. But I think the thing that, that always worried me is that, all right, you spend so many picks trying to figure out a quarterback position. You spend so many first-round picks here, here there. It, it happened to us. We, I've seen us do it. You've seen so many teams do it. I love the fact that we're just trading for a proven commodity. I really do. This is a, a risk-adverse yeah. bet, and I'm all about this for the position that's the most important in, in the sport. Now, Scotty, I'm imagining uh, as – someone who's been personally victimized by the Seattle Seahawks and one Russell Wilson many times uh, yes. Tuesday was a pretty good day for you. It I'm telling you what, Jeff, to get him out of the division. I was, I, I threw a party. <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's great because now we've got banged up Kyler Murray and old ass Matt Stafford and Trey Lance coming in to take the throne. Old ass Matt Stafford. Oh, he just wow. won a okay. Super Bowl. Yeah. Scott's oh, a little yeah. too high on this. Oh, <laughs> they man. Just, they no. just won the Super Bowl, Scott. <laughs> one other thing real quick. I know you're going to go in on that, but one of my favorite parts about this whole thing that I haven't heard talked about a lot is that, like, the fact that Russell Wilson, you know, his only Super Bowl win was against us and against yes. the Broncos, and his defense Correct. really did it. And, and it, like, I mean, he had a great game, too. They scored a lot of points. I don't really remember it. Um, I blacked out and never watched it. It's the only Super Bowl I haven't seen. But Good the move. point is, yeah, the point is that, like, it's got to also be so interesting because he went to that Super Bowl one, goes back, and then the Malcolm Butler play happens, and he's a yard away from winning another Super Bowl and starting this dynasty run. And then, you know, you see Pete Carroll really after that, keep the ball on the ground and then let Russ cook is when they're down by like 12 points or 10 points or 14 points. I mean, you know, something like that. And it's been an interesting uh, development now that he's going from a defensive minded coach in Pete Carroll four three 
man defense press or uh, zone defense a lot of times and 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 uh but still like an aggressive defensive uh play style to a offensive quote-unquote genius I, I why i say genius with quotes is because i haven't daniel hackett hasn't been there for uh more than a month and, or two and he hasn't been without aaron Rodgers either <laughs> Yeah, but I, what I love is that he does have an elite talent now that he can use, and and this is a very talented offense. And I actually like the fact that Russ had the no trade like clause, so he could veto a trade if he didn't like it. Yeah, and and I heard this, and I forgot about this before the season. His agent came out and said, "If you want to trade Russell to these four teams, we're okay with that." And like, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think we'd ever heard that ever in sports. Like that was, it was the trade request without actually asking for a trade request, yeah, which and, was and a, a really weak move. It was, to and, it was and to really name the teams. Move. It was, it was weird. It was strange. No it was New Orleans, it. Dallas, Chicago, and Las Vegas. Those yeah. are the four teams that he said, I don't want to get traded, but if I did, this is why. Yeah, um, and, and so to go from that to like where he's at now, I just, I'm, I'm glad it's all wrapped up, I guess. And, and he's here. Uh, so I, I, I'm just excited about that fact, but crazy so, journey yeah. for a year, you know? Yeah. So, go ahead, Scotty. I feel like so we're, I was, we're not letting you talk. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. Uh, it's Vito's, uh, Vito's QB now. Vito's QB one. So uh, I, I don't know. I think to your point, Vito, I think the success of the Seahawks, uh, when they were when they were on that run, was the fact that uh, they didn't have to worry about the offense. They let the defense do their thing, and Russell Wilson just put up points because he's that good. Now you put him on a team where you're going to have the same thing. That defense is elite. Like it's third elite. Yards third in points last year. Yep, it's an elite defense. And thanks for the recommendation to draft them in fantasy, by the way. And it's an elite defense and. Now Russell's not going to have to think. He's he, now don't get it twisted on offense, right? Uh, Tyler Lockett is better than than Jerry Judy. DK Metcalf is better than Cortland Sutton, right? So let's not overhype the the oh my god, look at all the weapons that Russell Wilson has now. That's true to an extent. I think there he has very good receivers, but a larger part of this pie is that now he doesn't have to worry about. Oh, our defense is not good enough to keep us in a game. We're going to be in a in a eighteen point hole, nineteen point hole, and that I'm going to have to do work and dig ourselves out of on offense. No, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You can just let it go, man. Let it fly. And you really want Russ to cook? Like, go ahead, go go do it. And and I think that's the thing. Like the line he's going to play behind the running game we're going to have, and yeah. the fact that like. I heard this, I was watching, you know, obviously they're showing a lot of videos of Russell Wilson and a lot of his best plays you watch. He's not taking a five-step drop and throwing it, like hitting his back foot and releasing it. Right. Yeah. He's not doing a three-step drop and running. He's scrambling. He's running around yep. extending plays. And I think and he it's going to be cool for him. Yeah, he had to. And I think what's cool for him here is that like with the amount of weapons, the fourth receiver being KJ Hamler, right? I think he's going to be, have the ability to drop back in a three-step drop out of shotgun and release the ball and not, have to do everything on his own yeah. just get the ball out man and I, that's what i'm excited for him and his career so I, russell wilson is going to come in and be at bare minimum stable right i, I think at this point if you're a fan of the nfl you think of russell wilson you think of stability and you for for so many years and with Pete Carroll and everything and honestly since the Patriots Super Bowl and the Malcolm Butler Super Bowl 
it's been Marshawn Lynch and the Chris Carsons and find, you know, Rashad Penny, all these guys, they run the ball and they're like, we got to let Russ cook. I let Russ cook. The last two years, guys, more importantly in 2021. Now he missed a few games, right? He still ended up playing 14 games this year. He had a, the second or the third lowest amount of passing touchdowns he's ever had, um, which was 25. Uh, every other major number for him was on the decline uh, completion percentage quarterback rating um, uh, average yards per attempt. Um, the only number that, that was actually very, very good was the interceptions. And he tied for the least amount of sacks he's ever taken in a season, which definitely is a good thing. You figure he plays in those two or three extra games or whatever. That number probably gets a little bit higher, but not crazy. Uh Scotty, what you were saying there, comparing right offensive offensive weapons compared to what's going to have defense, the biggest one is the offensive line is marginally better in Denver than it is in Seattle. I still don't love Denver's offensive line. I, I think it's middle, mid-tier, middle of the pack. And they're going to have a really tough time in filling some of those gaps without the draft picks that they just gave away. You make this trade when you think that bringing in Russell Wilson makes you a Super Bowl contender. And the more I've sat on it, I don't think this roster is built for a Super Bowl. I, I don't think they're there yet. However, the good news is, Vito, and, I, and I'm not trying to rain on your parade, my man. You'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I, I, I'm continually getting more down, but again, another reason to be optimistic is you're saying – seven or eight years, I think you get a decade out of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is like, has followed the LeBron James model. He spends over a million dollars a year taking care of his body. The, the finger injury this year, which was a fluke thing, was the first injury yeah. he's ever had. I mean, I'm looking at his games and his career here. This is the first season ever that he's missed any games and he still played in 14 of the 17 possible games. Every other year, up from 2012 to 2020, 16 games, 16 games, 16 games every single year. So you're going to get and a guy. Playoffs. Yeah. And, and playoffs and the winning and all that stuff's there too. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said for as, as amazing as Russell Wilson is as a talent, him, the person has not, and probably will not ever sit right with me. There's so much about him that feels super disingenuous and yet everybody who knows him has been around the team say like, no, that's just how he is. He's just a different cat. He's just wired differently. You know, it, it, similar to like DeChambeau almost, he's got like that homeschool yeah. vibe to him, which isn't a bad thing. It, it's just different. And uh, there have been reports, the, uh, Shil Kapadia from the, um, the Athletic wrote a story about this. Um, I think Seattle was a lot more keen to get rid of him than we than we think and then we ever really saw uh when that report from his agent and all that stuff we were talking about like i don't want to trade but if i did get traded this is the team i want to go to when that all came out i think that really pissed off some people in seattle and when he had the finger issue and remember he came back early and they got skunked one game they put up zero points and it was the first time he'd been shut out in his career supposedly there were some inside people with Seattle who felt that he was doing that not because he wanted to play in that game, not because he wanted to go out and win, or I'm sure he wanted to do that too, but the impetus behind it was to rather 
show the people that he is Mr. Unlimited, right? He is that guy who's going to come out there and he's going to, his way, his doctor, his surgery, he was going to do it his way. And, oh, hey, look, I came back in record time. You said I was going to be out for two months. I only missed three games instead. I came back in three weeks. Remember, like, his doctor put out a statement and it was like, yeah, I've never seen a finger grow back like this forever. So I think Russ, and you got to remember too. (laughs) I give Seattle the finger. (laughs) (laughs) You're not just trading for Russell Wilson. You're trading for Sierra too. There are long-term plans in Russell Wilson's future when it comes to like mogul business stuff that is very LeBron James-esque. And I think he's trying to do that. Now, do I think you're going to win more games with Russell Wilson than Teddy Bridgewater or any of those? No question. Not even arguable. But if we say, hey, you know what? You get nine years of Russell Wilson. The over-under for Super Bowls for me, it's a 0.5. I don't think you're guaranteed a Super Bowl. I don't think this is, roster is that, without serious overhaul is going to get to that point. Is well, that a just, combination uh, of the roster or and the division? Like, because now he's look, he's in the toughest division in football in the AFC yes. West and the toughest conference in football in the AFC. So yeah. I think that's a gauntlet to get through. I mean, think about what we were talking about, you know, and, and I've brought this up on some of the solo pods I've done, but when we were talking about Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl. How, yeah. like, we, we don't even know if Joe Burrow is ever going to make it back to another Super Bowl, right? He could be the, the Dan Marino 2.0 in that regard. Now you're throwing Russell Wilson into the mix? I mean, I, I, I know it's crazy, right? Like, let's list off the quarterbacks that we can try right now in the AFC, right? Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson now, Lamar Jackson. Um, Josh Allen. I said, yeah, just hit Josh Allen. Uh, Justin Herbert, right? Like, I I keep hearing, I'm like, in my head, Derek Carr. Carr. Um, Trevor Lawrence, if he develops, I mean, you have like one of the most talented guys to ever come out. It's down there. If Deshaun Watson's shit gets figured out, technically he's in the AFC. Who and he was a top five quarterback before this. Absolutely. Like you know, he was gone. Absolutely, uh, you're right. Uh, Tannehill's not bad. I mean, we're not his favorite fans. Who, over who, here, but, but who knows what happens with Mac Jones? Yes. Yep. Yeah. You have some young guys too. I mean, so 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 the, the to answer your question, Scotty, right? Is that the roster <laughs> or is it this? It's all of it. It's all of it, and. I will say as a guy who, you know, he has taken care of himself. He's in phenomenal shape. And I do think you're going to get a decade. He's a guy who said, I, I want to play into my forties. And I think you have a chance in Denver to hold on to him for as long as he is willing to play and is, is going to perform at a high level. But I think we do this in every big trade that happens. We immediately rush to this. Oh my God, they're going to be amazing. And we did the same thing with Matt Stafford last year. And I said the exact same thing on this podcast that I was like, Hey, everybody pump the brakes. Okay. <laughs> and then it just goes off and wins a fucking Super Bowl. Make no Canadian. <laughs> well, but I think that's well, the exception. It's the exception to the rule. It's not the, what typically happens in, in trades like this. Well, and I would say that to your credit though, it's not one player, like it's a big improvement. And I think what changes our team is we sell $27 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. This allows us to go from a rebuild and let's try and get some core players to, all right, we have seven to 10 years with a guy who we know has the capability to lead us there. He can win a AFC championship game, win a Super Bowl. He's done it before. Yeah. So let's go ahead and spend that money on players and get winners. Like the funniest thing is that I definitely see the fact that I bet you Von Miller ends up retiring as a Bronco now. I bet you he comes back in the next couple of years 
and, and tries to help out with like a couple one-year contracts, stuff like that. But we're going to go after some players now. And, and I could see us again, going big on the offensive line, making some splashes there. It's going to change how we draft. It's going to, well, I mean, when we do get to draft, uh, <laughs> but it's going to change the, the dynamic of, of the front office and their approach to, to how they're building this team. And I think that's, what's more exciting than, I mean, having Russell Wilson is exciting in general, is. but I, for me, it's the fact that now we're building towards winning a Super Bowl instead of building to try and figure out what's our makeup, what's our identity. Yeah. Right now and we know, and, yeah. and we have a window and we see it and we say, all right, spend all the money. Let's go win it. You know? And it's because- a larger window than you have with Peyton. Cause it's not like we're here yeah. to win now in the next like two, three years. Right. It's yeah. like, Oh, we, we've got and, some time to sort of build around this thing. And the that we just spent a lot that, of capital on. When Peyton came in, we didn't know what his neck was like. Like there were, it was a, it was a risk a little bit. This yeah. is like, I gotta tell you, the feeling is a lot different. I mean, people, I think forget how Peyton Manning even got to the Broncos in the first place. It wasn't a trade. He got cut. Yeah. He got released, but, and it was purely medical and they had the first overall pick and Andrew Luck was coming out. And so they knew what they were doing, but it wasn't like a trade. It wasn't a free agency. I mean, I guess I like it became a free agency thing, um, but it wasn't even like an unlike, I think if Peyton had been healthy, he would have been, but his neck was so fucked up and people were just willing to take the gamble that like, yeah, it's Peyton Manning. I want to, I, I'm going to stick around. And again, for the record, you're 100% right. Russell Wilson goes to your team. You're excited. The only quarterback I was going to be willing to part with if the Eagles decided to make the trade for the first round picks and stuff as a fan was would be for Russell Wilson for that exact same reason. Because you're looking at a guy who's trying to do the Tom Brady thing. He's trying to play for as long as he can. And once his finger got straightened out the last couple of weeks of the season, he did look good. Like, it, it, like I got to give credit where credit is due, right? Um, but I'm just, I'm a little bullish or I'm not overly bullish on, on this trade until I see it. And until we see everything come out, because it it is just really hard to put a team together. It's going to be really hard for them to get out of the AFC. It's going to be really hard for them to get out of their own division. Um, you know, who, who knows what happens down the run, but yeah. Right. I I mean, you're going to play. Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert four times a year in total. Yeah. And, and and we always know anything crazy can happen in rivalry games, but I'm just, for me, it's like, Hey, let's just temper the expectations here. Because if I'm Russell Wilson is I I don't think Denver and Philly are in that too far off here, roster wise and stuff. I would have 10 times rather been going to the NFC. I would 10 times out of 10, I would rather go do that. Oh yeah. And that, that's why I love this move though, is it's very confident. It's very much like, no, this is what we're going to do. We're going to win. And I'm saying this obviously because it's my team too, but uh, you got to, you got to do something right. Because there's so much talent. You have to give yourself that chance. At least we we were for sure going to have the, no matter what we did, there was no doubt that unless we got Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, we were going to have the fourth best quarterback in our division. It doesn't matter what we did in free agency, anything. And now finally, we at least, in my opinion, I think we have the second. I know Herbert's on the come up, but he, I mean, he's got to still do a lot in terms of like his arm talent. I mean, he's got a stronger arm. I love Russell's deep ball, though. I think everyone does in the NFL. It's, it's yeah, but beat. I love Justin Herbert's deep ball, too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you do too. But I guess the point is, is that like no one's going to trade Justin Herbert. Somehow a guy with Russell Wilson's talent comes up, you take the chance because now we're not, we're not just like climbing uphill in the division all the time. We yeah. have a shot I, at winning some of these. I just want to mark this down. Jeff said pump the brakes almost a year to the day 
that Matthew Stafford got traded and they won the Super Bowl. So Vito, good luck. Uh, congratulations on the Lombardi. So I would love that. I did not apples. The public is going to fade you, Jeff. The the Rams (laughs) were in a much, much better spot when they made the trade for Matthew Stafford uh, from a roster standpoint than Denver is very, you know, so I get what you're saying. It's a joke. Ah, whatever. Um, but to that point, there's this other thing that's in the back of my head. Now I don't have inside sourcing, right? I don't with, with the Broncos, the NFL, with, uh, I have a few things in the NFL I can pull, but for the most part there, I don't, this isn't sourced or anything. Um, but I do wonder, I do wonder how, hastily thrown together this might have been right because we've heard the rumblings with Denver and the quarterback for a long time but if again if you're making that move for Russell Wilson you're telling yourself we can win a Super Bowl right now and well go ahead okay okay maybe not maybe you can say hey we at least get a little bit longer of a leash five seven years yeah it makes the Von Miller trade seem weird if they knew they were either going after Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, and maybe it was like, hey, we need to get some draft compensation back because we know we're going to have to get a shit up to get one of these guys. But I still think I would rather have Von Miller. And we saw how fucking good he was during the Rams Super Bowl run. And again, I think, I think you're going to get I, him back. Truthfully. Which they might. But at that point, he's I mean, we're talking about probably two. I mean, I guess he could go sign with them right now. Hey, just rented you out for to win a Super Bowl and then you come yeah. back. I mean, that'd be a baller, <laughs> baller move on Von Miller's part. Um, but after the goodbye and everything, like I just I don't see that happening right away. So I just think there's a lot we don't know about the in, the inside stuff with Denver that I'm like, where was the mindset? How close do they think they are right now? I mean, obviously they were what like a seven seven and ten team this year. Is that what they mm-hmm. finished at? Russell Wilson's probably good for three four wins just on his own, yeah. and. I, again, you get Russell Wilson, you're absolutely excited about it, and you should be, and I'm happy for you, and I would love to sit here and be like, this time next year, and say, holy shit, I was wrong two years in a row, and this happened, and they go off and win a Super Bowl. I'm just saying, let's pump the brakes a little bit. He's coming off of statistically his worst season since he won the Super Bowl and was in the Super Bowl, um, but the season before was his best season, too, so... You know, I guess we'll see what happens. I'm very intrigued too to see what the offense of de- the offensive design is. Yeah, me um, too. And I because the, the la- when Russ was cooking, when it was let Russ cook, he cooked for a month, and then that shit nosedived real hard. And Seahawks, the Seahawks had to go back to that ground and pound style that everybody was frustrated about. But the let Russ cook movement, it died pretty quick, and it was electric for the first month in 2020. But then it nosedived pretty quickly. So yeah, I, I, the the one thing to your point about the organization, I mean, the other thing, Joe Ellis, who's kind of in charge right now, and and Patton George Patton, the the GM. Yeah. Joe Ellis again is like uh, acting basically in charge of the franchise because the team is for sale. It is actively for sale. So that's this another is, excellent point. This is as we like. I've just. I've never, my t- I mean, we've always had the same owner since I've been alive. And I think the craziest part right now is that like the team is up for sale and now you just got Russell Wilson, which I can guarantee you raise the value of this team significantly, significantly. way more than they gave up. So I, I think that that also to your point of hastily put together, I, I think they knew if we can get a big splash at quarterback this offseason, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson 
it, no matter what we give up, it will be worth it. And, and I, I know that this is a, a business at the end of the day. And I bet that had something to play into it. It, that is the best point that's been made on this podcast so far, Vito. And it's one that I thought of and wrote down when I was doing prep stuff over the last couple of days and totally forgot about. So thank you for bringing that up because that is a massive wrinkle in this because you're right. It, you could be talking about a hundred million dollar difference, if not more easily. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Right. Like, like I think, I think that's your starting point from a marketability standpoint for TV, you know, all of that stuff. Absolutely. Plus, the expectation is now, okay, well, they should at least be a playoff team. They almost have to be a playoff team. Yeah. And I, and, yeah, I agree. And, and, and it's a big deal. I, I, I think if there's one thing we can all agree on here about this, A, definitely exciting and awesome, and I'm happy for you. And B, I really hope we don't have any more Paxton Lynches. I hope we've, we've <laughs> crossed out the Paxton Lynch phase for the Broncos and that we can give them some stability here over the next couple of years. No, no offense to my man, Paxton Lynch. Shout out to his days at, was it Memphis? Is that where he was playing? I think so, uh, yeah. yeah. Memphis. Six, seven, six, eight tall, dude. Paxton fucking Lynch, man. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. That was a long first segment, but honestly, we could just do a full hour on this alone, um, and, and we wouldn't run out of stuff to talk about because there are that many things. But we have other important news to hit on, uh, so we're going to take a quick break and come back, hit on the other trades and releases that we've seen in the NFL here over the last few days. For the longtime listeners of the Read Option Pod, you know uh, I have a very bizarre relationship with uh, Carson Wentz. And uh, I have these ties. Obviously, loved the dude. I, I once called him a combination of Josh Allen and Tom Brady. That is a real thing I said on national radio. <laughs> That's an actual thing. If I, if I really wanted to, which I'm not going to do because it would take way too much time to pinpoint exactly when I said it, I could go back and find myself saying that. Um, clearly, that has not aged well. And neither has Carson Wentz's career or prospects here in the NFL as he's now for the second year in a row getting traded from the coach that was going to save him from a really respected franchise. And now he gets to go play with Dan Snyder. and. Dan Snyder's a real piece of shit, but I do think at least Carson will have some, uh, we'll say, political beliefs that maybe coincide there with one Mr. Snyder. So who knows? Maybe Washington turns out great. Maybe it ends up being a great decision. Um, the, the first thought I had, though, when I heard about this, we obviously are going to play them twice a year, as I say we, but the Eagles are going to play them twice a year. Yeah. What is the reaction from Philly fans going to be? Because as we're sitting here, we're getting ready for Ben Simmons, who is going to be sitting on the sidelines for the Sixers-Nets game tonight. And he is going to absolutely get eviscerated. And there is still people in Philly who, who hold anger towards, towards Carson Wentz, which I don't think is necessarily fair. Plus, the dude helped win a Super Bowl. But it was a very unceremonious exit, and he definitely burned some bridges on his way out. So how do you guys both – you both – you live in Philly, Vito, at least half the time. All three of us, I grew up there. We all have ties to Philly. What's the reaction going to be when Carson Wentz plays at the link for the first time? Huh. I think that – I think it's going to be a solid booing. No, I think it'll be 50-50. There'll be the sound fans who are like, hey – 
you got us where we needed to go. You helped us on the track to win a Super Bowl. We traded you away, and you gave us three draft picks. So thanks, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> but now you're playing for the rival, so screw you. And then there's the other 50 who are not as locked in, who are kind of like, ah, oh, now you're playing for Washington? I hate this guy. I think we're going to see booing and cheering, like you said. But here's, what, here's how it's going to go down in my mind. He runs out, they're going to boo the shit out of him, and he knows it, and it's going to be kind of like a loving boo, like, fuck you, but you know that's what we do, and we're from Philly, and you get it. And then I bet what will happen is if he throws a pick or does anything like that, they're going to go off. Fans are going to cheer so hard. I feel like they're going to be like assholes about cheering, like Philly, only Philly would. It's going to be beautiful, If he throws a pick. <laughs> well, it's what's gonna I think that'll be the most fun, right? You play him twice anyway, once at home every year, which is great because, like, the other thing is we always talked about Washington just needed a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. And and like Heineke was good, like he had good games, I should say, and um, showed an athletic prowess. And the defense wasn't what we thought it would be, but all of that mixed around. The point is, I I think he'll be there a little longer than one year. But I thought the same thing about Indy. So who the hell knows? What do you think, Jeff? What do you think the reaction is going to be when he rolls up a broad street and hits the stadium over there and, and, and walks out on the turf? It, it might be wishful thinking, but I think it's just going to be mainly positive. I really do. I think Philly fans are going to pity him. I think it's going to be a, oh, you know, we love, we do love the guy because he, he, the Eagles don't win a Super Bowl that year without Carson Wentz. Because if they're not the number one overall seed and they don't get the home field advantage for the playoffs, there's no way they're winning all those games with Nick Foles. It's not happening. So Carson Wentz, I think, is going to, for the most part, get a very, um, I think it's going to be positive, but it's also going to be a, oh, sweetie, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, okay. it's okay. Hey, remember, remember that time you almost won the MVP and then that other guy won the Super Bowl, and then we built the statue of the other guy and, and your old coach outside. And it wasn't you. Yeah, yeah, that was fun, wasn't it? But it's okay. You look great. You look so good. It's good. I think it's going to be that type of energy, like right? a reunion type vibe. <laughs> yeah, a, l- a little bit, but like the it's like the high school reunion. But like Philly fans are going to be the assholes who like make five hundred k a year, and they're like, oh. Oh, so you're still working in stand in town? Now? Like, oh, that's that's great, you know. Like, just I think it's going to be that kind of energy. Um, but I also think, for the most part, uh, and, and I've actually never talked about this guy on this podcast. But uh, if you follow the NFL, you probably have heard of Gio, who is a Eagles super fan, and um, he's a kid who's Absolutely. dealt with an insane amount of medical health issues his whole life. His idol, which was the first thing that really put him on the map, is Carson Wentz. He, he met Carson Wentz and, and had started crying, and he was in a wheelchair. And it, it was this beautiful, awesome story, and it turned into a whole really awesome dynamic. Um, and I think, honestly, I think Geo is, like, half the reason Philly fans are going to be nice. I, I just think they're really like – point. I just, I just think they look at him and there's – because, look, Philly fans get a lot of shit, but at the end of the day, they love football and sports and their teams more than any other city – it means more. And so I think they have the capability of having the sentimental side. So that's my prediction. Uh, however, all that stuff aside, go ahead. Yeah. On that note, Gio was uh, wearing a Carson Wentz jersey. I don't know if anyone saw this. He, he was at the combine mm-hmm. and he went up in the booth with Rich Eisen mm-hmm. and, and he was hilarious. And they're like, did you have any notes for uh, Howie? And he's like, 
Howie, for the love of God, get us a linebacker. It was like the most Philly little kid. Thing. I loved it, man. And and he was wearing a uh, Indy Carson Wentz jersey. He's like, yeah. the combine's an Indy. And anyway, that kid, first of all, is great. And second of all, yeah. great point there because everyone loves him, man. If you hear yeah. the story, you see him talk. He is a well-spoken kid. Yeah. It's incredible. He, he has a podcast. Yeah. It's He's Geo the pod, sports podcaster. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, he's gotten way better guests than we've ever gotten. I mean, he, he and Chris Long are buds. I mean, he's gotten Jalen Hurts. He's gotten all the Eagles on him. Now, it's interesting. He actually just moved to Indianapolis. His family did. I know way too much about this kid's life, but he and his family just moved to Indianapolis. So that was part of the reason why uh, they were able to get him up in, into the booth for the combine, which I saw, and that was that was awesome. So Geo, we love you, man. Geo, the sports podcaster. You can find him out there on Twitter and, and social media because – that kid is a fucking badass and has fought through some shit that none of us can even um, re- remotely comprehend. Um, again, all that aside, somehow I took this and made it about the Eagles, and it's not. It's about Carson Wentz, and it's about the Washington football team. By the way, I'm refusing to call them the Washington <laughs> What team. a surprise. <laughs> I know, the, the com- dude, I don't the – so, like, come on. That's the worst rebrand I've seen. In it's so bad. Time. It's, it's, it's so bad. And there were so many, even the generals would have been better, right? Like, oh, it's awful. Um, So Washington football team, because I love that name and I'm going to continue to call it them uh, or call them that. uh, Just straight up here. Are are they better off with Carson Wentz more so than Tyler Hineke or Taylor Hineke? Because I don't think so. They're the same players. (laughs) Carson Wentz is just bigger and stronger, but they do the exact same shit. And at least Taylor Hineke is likable and doesn't come with a $28 million cap hit. That's the difference mm-hmm. right there is why are you taking on the contract? Like I, that's the thing for me, they must believe in him or maybe it's something with Ron Rivera where he's like, that's all that's the, that's what we need. Like his style. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't love this move, by Washington, I love it by Indy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But the other thing is that yeah. it just resets the, it, it's clearly like, he is a guy now who is a journeyman quarterback. He went from a franchise quarterback to a journeyman quarterback very quickly. And he he's going to start, I feel like, in a lot of places in his career. Um, but I don't think he'll be at any other franchise for more than like three, four years. And I, I that's my take on it. So I don't I, I don't think I they're agree. better. I think they're different. And and I if the defense rebounds. I bet what will happen is they'll win more games and people will say it's him and it won't be. <laughs> That's, oh, that is so Washington. Uh, no, but uh, like for for the the player comp, like I'd almost rather have Heineke. Heineke had 60, he completed 65% of passes and had 20 touchdowns and 15 starts last season. Why would you give up on developing that further and bringing in a guy who had, like you look at the numbers, like right, Carson Wentz only had like his touchdown to interception ratio is ridiculous. But then you look at the way that he did it. Those interceptions are the worst decisions I've ever seen on a football field. And so that's what you're bringing in. And your weapons are McLaurin, Logan Thomas, uh, Antonio Gibson, and Curtis Samuel. Eh, okay. Uh- I mean, an upgrade from Indy's weapons. Yeah. Well, I mean, Michael Pittman Jr. (laughs) I don't think there's a huge gap between Michael Pittman Jr. and and Terry McLaurin. I I don't, I think Michael Pittman Jr. is a very, very good wide receiver. Yeah. And Terry McLaurin took a step back this year. 
He, he just, in every statistic he did, which, you know, part of that's quarterback play and stuff too, but like, who was Washington's quarterback before, right? Like, right. like before Taylor right. it's like, we're not talking about marginal differences or we're talking about marginal differences. here, not enormous differences in the quality of the quarterbacks that you know, we we've seen. I think you're at the exact same spot here. However, there is more upside still with Carson Wentz. I, I do believe that the talent and the size and the athleticism and all that stuff is still there, but you're attacking on injury concerns. You're attacking on the massive contract. Gotta remember here too, guys. He didn't throw a road interception all season until week 18 when they lost that game to Jacksonville. Carson Wentz made improvements. He actually did get better. But the thing with, with Carson Wentz, and I've said this before, it's like what you do with thoroughbreds, right? You you let them run. And when you try to cage them and you try to hold them back, they're they're not the same. They're they're not what what can make Carson Wentz special is the same thing that makes him scary as your quarterback. I don't get this at all. And this might seem weird because there's no real true correlation between these two players with exception of one thing. But the first thought I had was Marcus Mariota. How is Carson Wentz not like Mariota went from starting in Tennessee, going to a playoff game, almost beat. Actually, no, I think they did beat Kansas City. It was that game where he caught the yeah. pass back to himself and scored the touchdown. Yes. And then they make the trade for Ryan Tannehill. And next thing you know, Marcus Mariota doesn't have another opportunity to start. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's been a backup a in, job for in two years. Like <laughs> if you're going to make a real, if you're going to take a gamble, I would rather put it on Marcus Mariota than Carson Wentz. Cause at least the cap situation is not going to nearly be a- as bad, but it's Agreed. amazing to me that Carson, that people are still willing to bet on Carson Wentz after what we've seen. The thing to me is, and that's absolutely correct, right? And it's one of the biggest problems I have with the statement that Washington put out after they made this trade. What was it? It, it was that you vetted the entire NFL and the free agent landscape. Well, they have to say that. Landed shit. on Carson Wentz. Get out of here. You're telling me you went through a, Mariota, the example you brought up, and Jameis. I'll bring up my guy. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Absolutely. I was sitting there when that trade went down with Russell Wilson. And I was like, this is a dream scenario for the 49ers. We get Russell Wilson out of the division and Washington's going to overpay for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, perfect. And they landed on Carson Wentz the, day, the next day. And I was like, why? It, 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 the trade itself, I don't think makes sense. And I don't think going to Washington in that organization, and even though I love Ron Rivera, you know, let's be real. Ron Rivera has no history of developing a quarterback. And I like Cam Newton. Cam Newton is one of the most electric guys. His MVP season, all that stuff is very accurate and very true about Cam. He was never a developed, like he, he, he was never, what the thing that made uh, Cam Newton special was not, his quarterbacking skills it was his athleticism and his ability to overpower games and i'm not trying to minimize how smart and intelligent cam newton is because that's something we often do with black quarterbacks but we saw by the end of his career when he started playing up in new england oh this guy is not seeing the field at all and they they built that whole team around carolina around cam newton other than that what who has ron rivera made better who who has Ron Rivera helped with? And on top of it, too, who's the offensive defensive guy? 
Who's the exactly. offensive coordinator in Washington right now? I'm not, I, to be honest, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't either. And that's what I'm saying. It's not going to be the head coach who's developing them, right? It, it, you have that development of, a, of an actual personality and of a person, but not as much of like the X's and O's as the coordinator would be, unless you're on the offensive side, which runs more on defense. So I'm with you. Like, it, it's very different. It, it is a weird move to make this trade. Like, I don't get giving stuff up for him for Carson. That's yeah. the weird part. Um, and I, it makes me wonder what's going on. What, what are the calls to San Francisco like right now? Because what, what that tells me is that you're right. The, the price is too high. Well, right? it's Indy calling now and it's like, Hey, we just, we gave up nothing for Carson Wentz. Uh, we're not going to take Jimmy at, at the price that you're asking. So like, yeah. I, so Washington's offense coordinator, Scott Turner, by the way, which I was going to say, but I was not Thank totally you. confident on. Um, I just at top to bottom. I don't like it. I don't, I mean, guess good for Carson, whatever. I, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't compute in my brain as being like, Oh, this, this is sense. And it's even hard to like, all right, I'm going to put myself in the shoes of the general manager and try to think about what he's seeing. And even that message, see, like, Frank Reich put his neck out on the line for Carson Wentz, right? Chris Ballard did too. Chris Ballard, before the Carson Wentz trade, was looked at and viewed as one of the top three to five general managers. And I still think that he is, but the Carson Wentz move was a black mark on on his overall reputation and the way that he's looked at in the league. At least not in league circles, but like by fans, you know, it's like, Oh, that's the guy who traded for Carson Wentz and then traded him again a year later. Not credit to them to say, Hey, we made a mistake. We're going to move on. Here you go, Washington. He's your problem now. I, I, it's just a weird one for me. And, and I, and I don't love it. And as we're seeing this carousel of quarterbacks flipping around, Aaron Rodgers is staying, but now I got Russell Wilson moving, got Carson Wentz moving. The expectation would be Jimmy G's probably going to be on the way out here, here soon. Um, it just didn't. I, I think this is a big, big mistake. And ultimately, it's probably going to cost Ron Rivera his job if it doesn't work out, which is unfair because he's the one stable yeah. thing that that franchise has. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I I was texting a couple of my buddies uh, yesterday about <laughs> about the Washington football team. You remember that scene in the in the Star the first the original Star Wars with the hologram of uh of uh Princess Leia <laughs> saying uh help me Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan you're, my, you're my only hope. This move to me just screams Dan Snyder going in that hologram saying, Help me, Jeff Bezos, you're my only hope. And I um yeah, so Carson, best of luck, man. I uh I mean, the schedule hasn't come out yet, but I'd imagine that first game in Philly is going to be uh, – it might be week one. And honestly, it legitimately might be week one. The Eagles often play the the Washington whatevers. That should, that should have been the name. Yeah. Oh, that's a good I sky. like that. The Commandos or the Washington whatevers. We'll put out a Twitter what poll. Um, yeah. So the other big trade that went down before we hit on some of the, the releases and stuff too because the free agency pool has gotten – even bigger, and there's a lot of good names out there, uh, is this Khalil Mack trade. Um, yeah. Khalil Mack in 2020 was PFF's, so this is two years ago, but it was PFF's number one rated fo- uh, defensive player. Just two years, just 2020, while pandemic was and going. Aaron Donald? Right? Yeah, according to PFF, right? 
Uh, but they have all their advanced metrics and shit that, that values it. So it's obviously different. Uh, he had somewhat of a down year. He got injured, ended up sitting out basically the entire second half of the year. If he is 85%, if he's, you know, what he is, but I, I still think he's not at his peak, but he's pretty damn close to it. That defensive line in LA is horrifying. Joey Bosa yeah. and Khalil Mack. Good luck. Yeah. I'm Good fucking luck. You got Derwin James. I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, what was the one thing we talked about the Chargers all year, right? They couldn't stop the run and the defensive line, even though Joey Bosa could, he was just getting double teamed. They couldn't generate the pressure and they were getting lit up. I don't think quarterbacks are going to have time to throw the football against this new front. Yeah. One of them, you, you got to let one of them go. One of them is going to get one-on-one. I mm-hmm. mean, that's insane. The fact that you're either going to have to commit one of your five eligibles to these dudes to double team both, or you are going to have either Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack and a one-on-one and those guys eat offensive linemen alive. Like this is going to be such an amazing upgrade for LA and with Herbert coming up and, and he's still Khalil Mack has some time left on him. Bosa's young. I mean, it's a big move that didn't cost that much. I'm just surprised at what they give up, uh, a two? It, well, I just pulled it up here, but my internet was getting bad. I can pull up Schefter's tweet. Uh, compensation update. The Chargers are expected to send a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 sixth-round pick. Oh, that's a steal. Mm-hmm. That's an absolute steal. Now, and they're taking line- on his contract, which at the time was the highest contract for any def- $141 million contract. It's, it's a huge contract. Yeah. And I do have yeah, to double check. We, we said uh, just some due diligence here. Uh, I, we said in the opening segment, three first-round picks, the first trade for him. It was actually two first-round picks. And then I think it was a sixth and then a third. Uh, as well so four picks in total two first rounders but again you compare that to what the russell wilson trade is including the players it ends up being obviously russell wilson was a was a bigger package uh, yeah i'd be interested to to know what those those two round uh two first rounders at least uh became like what were those picks that that it was josh jacobs it was josh jacobs and um the cornerback who they just released this past season, who never quite worked out. There was that draft where the Raiders had three first round picks. It was in 2019 and it was Henry Ruggs. We know how that turned out. Uh, It was Josh Jacobs. um, Oh, actually, no, now I'm confusing drafts. (laughs) Cause they had two years in a row. One, they had three and then next year they had two. Um, But all in all, it was like Clellan Farrell. It was that draft where they took Clellan Farrell fourth overall, which is still, I think, one of the dumbest draft picks I've ever seen. Clough, nice, nice guy, decent player, but he was like the fifth or sixth ranked defensive lineman coming out, and they took him at four. It was, it was Alabama. <laughs> yeah, mean, that's what, uh, well, he was Clemson. That's that's... He, he, it was right after Clemson oh, won did. the Natty with Trevor Lawrence. So I guess that would have been yeah, 20, 2019 draft. Um, I, like I guess that this is this is a yeah. nightmare if you are Kansas City. Um, right. It goes right back into that mold. And it's interesting. Think about what Buffalo did, right? We we've talked about this on the pod too. Buffalo built their entire team around beating Kansas city and they invested so much on the defensive line, right? The Ed Oliver picks and, uh, the kid, uh, Greg Rousseau, right. They drafted last year in the first round and he's got all of these defensive linemen and the Chargers are like, Hey, you know what? That actually worked pretty good. Cause you beat the shit out of the chiefs in the regular season, Buffalo. And then you 
arguably could have or should have won if you had gotten a chance in overtime uh, against Kansas City. So I, I think it's a really, really smart move, and they have some cap space. They also were able to get a three-year deal done with Mike Williams. We always, I've said it a lot on this pod, man. The Chargers are my West Coast. They're my AFC team. I'm all in on the LA Chargers. I think right now, and obviously we have draft and free agency, so making a prediction now is really dumb. But as it stands, I think they're as good as anybody else in the AFC. I really, really do. I mean, they had the best that's draft. A bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah, they that's... they had the best draft. <laughs> the, hindsight. I said it the day after the draft. I said Asante Samuel Jr. and Rashawn Slater both were home runs. I I they were my pick that I thought they won the draft, and it turned out right. I mean, what what other rookie combinations were better? Rashawn Slater was the number one ranked rookie in every uh, advanced metrics from PFF. And Rashawn Slater played better than Penny Sewell, who we all said was the the generational off. Yeah, he was higher than Penny Sewell. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Who's the the guy I'm thinking of from Kansas City, the center? Oh, uh, Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, he was high. Creed Humphrey was like right under him, and then it was Penny Sewell. But yeah, and he was a top 10 rated tackle too, out of all of the NFL. So you get that. You get your lockdown corner on the outside who was playing fantastic before he got banged up. They already have good pieces. Now you're adding Khalil Mack. That defense is getting better. And we we all fell in love with Justin Herbert this past year. Every single one of us, you know, and they're just going to continue to get better. I love it. Home run. I just, this is this division, like we just, these two, Matt, we're talking about two massive additions you know uh to the afc west and and to two different teams and realistically like i'm just shocked that that's the position that they went for but with the ask like you're saying it's more about the contract than it is in in the cap hit than it is like getting a second or giving up a second round pick it's basically you gave up money and a pick right Mm -hmm. and what's crazy about that is you already have a young guy in bosa that's on his rookie contract still right that like, no they they extended oh, no, they him did, did it's I, okay. yeah it was like a hundred and a hundred million somewhere in that Never ballpark mind. so now you have all your money on the defensive line i thought it was going to be better at that point but my point was going to be you're gonna have to resign bosa if they already did the point stands you have a lot of money tied up there you're going to have a huge huge contract coming up for herbert whenever he finally gets off his deal in the next year or two and you know, you I just extended Williams. You're going to have to do it with Derwin James and Asante Samuel Jr. at the same time. It's good talent. They're they're not going to be able to keep everybody, but that that with Russell going to Denver and obviously Kansas City being Kansas City, if the Raiders, it doesn't even matter if they're stable as a as an organization. They're they're no match for these teams. I feel like now, and they went from you know actually doing well last year and being one of the best pass offenses to. Right now, I think they're the fourth best team in the division. Isn't that wild? Crazy. Yeah. That's wild. They made the playoffs. And 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 they're the fourth best team in the division right now. Get this too. The Chargers right now. And part of the reason I love, again, another reason I love this trade, they gave up less than what the Rams did for Von Miller. Von Miller was a second and a third. This is a second and a sixth. And on top of that, Von Miller was on an expiring contract. Khalil Mack still has three more years left on his deal. Uh, It's a it's a hefty cap hit. It's going to be 17.75 million uh, this year, 22.9 and then 23.25. But as we've learned with teams like 
the Saints, the Eagles, even cap stuff. Like they've gotten so good at being able to manipulate the cap. If, if you figure, hey, we can get four years out of Khalil Mack, then you add the extra extension onto it. You rework the money. You pay some of it into a signing bonus. And all of a sudden that yeah. cap hit is like you're paying $10 million for Khalil Mack and you paid yeah. less. And no, no shot against Von Miller. He was great. I would rather have Khalil Mack right now than Von Miller. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's years ago. Well, he, he hasn't had the same issue injuries in terms of the long-term injury. Um, but I also do 100% believe that Khalil Mack going to, to LA and to the division that drafted him too. Like Carson Wentz goes back to the NFC East when Khalil Mack goes to play the Raiders, that's going to be a show. Yeah. That is going to be an absolute show in their new stadium. And you're it's a shame. That's play. not in Oakland though. Oh, that, oh yeah. I would have loved that. To, to, to be- see the Oakland fans, that would that would have been. But again, I I think Oakland fans hated. The, the, remember, the whole reason they couldn't keep uh, Khalil Mack is because Al, uh, not Al Davis, Mark Davis, literally didn't have the money. Like he doesn't have he doesn't have the he didn't have the liquid assets in order to afford to pay the hundred and forty one million contract that was coming mm-hmm. down the pipe for Khalil Mack. Classic, classic Oakland. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's right up the right. Now, of course, you know, they moved the team, blah, blah, blah. And now he gets a little bit more of that cash back so that they can be a little bit bigger. But at the time, we didn't know if they were they were moving. They were still trying to get a stadium built. There was all this stuff. And now Khalil Mack walked away. So I think most Raiders fans, they hated the fact that they traded him because he was kind of a perfect Raider. Like, like yeah, quiet, <laughs> nasty. Hard-nosed. Yeah. Like nasty he, he on was, the field, yeah. He was just that he was that dude. I, I think it's an absolute home run. And uh all I'm saying is I would hate to be an AFC West quarterback other than Justin Herbert. <laughs> or Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or you know, maybe this guy named Holmes. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, look, but think about this too, right? Thinking project the AFC West out here for the next couple of years. Yeah. Roster position. The, the the I think the Chargers are going to come in and be able to compete for a Super Bowl immediately next year. I think with what they will continue to add in free agency, another year of Herbert, right, uh, and what they can do in the draft. I so you figure the future is now. The future is now. I think for Denver for the most part, though. Again, we talked about it earlier. I think the roster's building. What is Kansas City going to do moving forward? Because you got a that's thirty the, plus year old tight end question. and Tyree yeah. Kill. Another great year from him. We all agree how awesome Tyreek Hill is, but those guys are on the back end and they're going to have to, that extension, that $450 million extension that Matt Patrick Mahomes signed last year, that kicks in starting this season. Handcuffing them. It's going to handcuff them. And who knows how long Andy Reid's going to be there either. Mm -hmm. Listen, this is a a win-win for, for the chargers at this point in, in this, in this season or the next two, three seasons, this is a this is a win win. Either you win now, or you cut your losses after after Cleo Max contract is 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 up, and you're like, well, that was cool, but uh, we got this far and and nothing happened. So thanks for your service. Um, so it's a win win to me, and especially you get a guy like Brandon Staley, who's leading that defense. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, that's gonna be that's gonna be nasty. It's gonna be nasty. It, Which, it'll remind me a lot of of the Super Bowl defensive line of of uh, Robert that Robert Sala had in San Francisco of Joey's brother Nick and yeah. uh, Eric Armstead and and, uh, and Defoe. Oh, like it's going to be nasty. 
Yeah, and they still have to address linebacker. Like, there's still a lot of holes that the Chargers need to need to fill here. So it's it's not complete. But this is this is the move you make with the the proof. Like we know Justin Herbert's a stud. So before that extension is going to come in, which that'll I guess be offered because they'll have him for that fifth year of the rookie deal last year's second. So they get three more years. Well, how many more years does Khalil Mack have on his, on his contract? Three. Yeah. Right. So by the time that extension is going to come in they're already going to be able to move on and, and Khalil Mack will be at an age where you're not going to have to worry about paying him that much. Like this is the move you make when you go all in trying to win. And, and what I refer to as the Russell Wilson model, which was when Russell Wilson did it in Seattle with that defense, you know, he wasn't even as proven as Justin Herbert is too. You know, I think Justin Herbert in year number two and year number three is better than what Russell Wilson was in year number two and year number three too. Uh, out of the AFC West, because I mean the Raiders, who knows what happens with the Raiders too? Like to me, they're they're just a wild card. Which team would you most want to be? Well, I, I think, well, I'm a little biased. And before we hit that, I, I yeah. do want to mention on something that you're gonna say though, is that what's going on with the Chiefs? And for me, they're about to hit this lull, right? Mm-hmm. They've gone to some Super Bowls, they've had this, but they're gonna have to revamp their team and change it up a little bit. And because he just got traded it's on my mind but like think about when russell was young and i'm not i don't think they're similar players and even their style i mean and somewhat with scrambling but not really like yeah both throwers more than runners but russell's a better runner by far young young russ young russ was a runner he was he was yeah. a scrambler yeah and that's a good point to remember it i guess the point is that they went to these super bowls early they had great teams around them but mahomes really led them there and they won one they lost one and then you know Russell hasn't been back and he's been good, but he hasn't been back. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, is this the time where the chiefs cool off? The NFL catches up to them. And to your point, who would you want to be? I'm going to say the Broncos because of that, but I'll tell you this. I think I'd rather be the Broncos or the chargers before I'd I'd pick the chiefs, which is, Uh, I'm just shocked to say that out loud. (laughs) That's what's crazy. Regret that. Right. Cause you're saying it's Patrick Mahomes. It's, it's fucking Patrick Mahomes. Like we get, we said all year, man, the chief, at least the first half of the year, man, the Chiefs, they've fallen off. Their league's catching up. That was the narrative. That's what everybody was saying, right? And then what happens? Oh, yeah, they're in the AFC Championship game, and they arguably should have been in the Super Bowl again. So we can say all of this and be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, their their time's running out. It's like I, they haven't proved to us otherwise that they're not going to be there again because it's still it's four straight good. AFC Championship games for Patrick Mahomes. And that's where it's like, it might even be the Golden State effect where it's like, we just want to see a new team. And mm-hmm. so we're like, yeah, it's Denver. It's this. We were at the great end of the call. day. Uh, great call. Go get KD. Yeah, yeah. The AFC West <laughs> champions are most likely the Chiefs. And I would argue, though, that I, I personally think Denver and the Chargers are a very good place to make the playoffs. And I would be shocked if they didn't. And I love the fact that now we have the seventh team in each division going to the playoffs the last couple of years. I mean, or, yeah, how perfectly did that line up for the NFL, yeah. right? You know, people were <laughs> criticizing that all, you know, before, like this year even, right? They're like, oh, we don't need this. Yeah. Who wants to see the Eagles in the playoffs? And who was the other, was it the Raiders? They were the other ones that were the seventh seed. I'm like, no, yeah. give me yeah. give me that now, especially with what the AFC is looking like. Um, Scotty, which team would you most want to be, uh, you know, GM, coach, whatever for, or fan of in the AFC West? Well, I can't do in LA, but that's not the uh, the reason I'm doing this. I have spent too many games, weeks of my life watching Russell Wilson do his thing. I'd I'd much rather be Denver in the defensive situation that they find themselves in. 
with the way that Russell Wilson plays, I, I think he's going to elevate those guys uh, that we talked about earlier, the Cortland Suttons, the the Jerry Judys. Uh, and I think Jerry, if you're, if you're looking for fantasy this year and I'll do a, I'll do a little preview maybe, uh, but when we definitely do our, our previews of the, uh, of the season, uh, Jerry Judy's going to be a guy to watch, I think, especially with Russell Wilson. So uh, I'd rather be the Broncos in that situation right now. I have, the, up- I have the Broncos third, but not because I think they're that far behind. I think it's, I think it's almost impossible here to try to like do this, which is why I asked so the I, question. Splitting hairs at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have, I would have still the chiefs first. I, I would. And then and then right behind them, I'll have the Chargers because whenever Andy Reid moves on, it feels like Eric Bieniemy is going to take over. So I think there'll be some some continuity there. I, I do think the Chiefs will be fine. And I think they have an opportunity. You know, when when you finish in the back end of the first round, people often say like, oh, that's the worst place to be. Right. Because you're, you're never going to be up. At the I disagree. Top. I disagree. I, I think you get it, the best value. I agree. And I think you look at where the how good these wide receivers are coming in, how many good second round wide receivers that we've seen over the last few years, the depth of that position as a whole. Linebacker, you know, too. tight tight end two, linebacker, cornerback. I think and historically, outside of you know, Clyde Edwards E. I mean, look who they draft. They could draft Creed Humphrey in the second round last year, who turned out to be yeah. the second best offensive lineman, rookie offensive lineman in football, and I believe was first or second team all pro. So you're getting, you know, absolute value in the back end. And yeah, is it going to be hard to replace that productivity? Sure. But what I saw out of Patrick Mahomes this year in this Chiefs team was that the the tide turned against them for the first time in this run. And they said, and Patrick Mahomes said, cool, you want to doubt us? Watch us go back to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, did we get lucky because of overtime rules? Sure. But happened the way hey, it happened, and we were there. Where the ball drops. <laughs> and it wasn't Patrick Mahomes' fault that they lost that AFC championship game to Cincinnati. That was not on Mahomes. You know, nope. Mahomes in the second half fell off, and there's been some reports and rumblings that he was concussed in the first half, and he, they threw him out there to play anyway. So who knows if that's played into this at all. But I'm taking the guy I've seen to do it, and then right behind him, right, 1A, 1B, 1C is how I look at those three because – I love what Denver's going to have with Russell Wilson. I love the defense. I just think the offense is going to take some time to develop. And we all know how much I love the Chargers. I love Justin Herbert, and I love Brandon Staley. And I think that team's going to be fantastic next year. Um, before we take our last break, uh, I do want to hit on some of the cuts that we've seen. Now, this time of year, you'll see names and you'll see somebody get cut. And, I, you know, if you really follow the league, you understand, you know, you'll know. But it's all about uh value it's all about whatever they're being owed on their contract it's not a sign of the player so again talking about value you can get some really good players in free agency who gets cut the, the number one name bar none is bobby wagner who i said at the top of the show in that first segment is might be a a top five to ten linebacker in the history of the nfl you don't you don't think I don't think so, but I think he's a great recent linebacker. Uh, Like he is one of the, I would say of the last 20 years, he's, he's the top 10 linebacker. I think he's the number one linebacker of the top 10 years or the last 10 years in the last 10 years, Patrick Willis uh, above him. Um, Love Patrick. Bowman even. 
Uh, but but I, he is he is a guy who has been undersung because it was the Legion of Boom and the secondary was great. But Bobby Wagner is if you look at how many tackles he's had over his career, it's incredible, right? The guy's just productive. He is a middle linebacker through and through. And for whatever reason, he didn't get the credit he deserved. To your point, Jeff, and he, um, without a doubt, is in that upper echelon of linebackers. And I am just shocked. It, do we know what that was about? Was it more contract related? I think I think this? it's a doing him a solid, right? Because now the the Seahawks are in a full on rebuild. That cap hit was going to be too high, and so it's a combination of both, right? So it's the rebuild, or it's the cap hit that they were going to take. And it was like, well, that's kind of a lot of money for the team we're building. And they're, they're now in like full rebuild mode. So yeah. it's like, hey, Bobby, we're going to do you a solid. Let you go. Like, we're not we we're not contending in the next couple of years. I believe this be is a guy. Russell again in Denver. I would be. This so is a guy. Denver would be a good spot. Kansas City, Baltimore. Uh, Philadelphia. And Jeff, the Eagles. Eagles would be an excellent spot for Bobby Wagner. Uh, the, Bobby, Bobby Wagner to the Eagles would, would be my wet dream. Honestly, like I, that might happen tonight. That 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 might happen tonight when I go to bed. <laughs> I love Bobby Wagner, and, and I, I I I disagree. I think Bobby Wagner is the best linebacker we've had, and, and the way he's talked about in Seattle by his peers, by his teammates, everyone else, he is to me like he was really young in those Legion of Boone teams. He was a he was a yeah. rookie, right? Those teams, those defenses weren't built about him. So when you think of those great Seattle teams. You think of Richard Sherman, you think of Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. you think of Earl yeah. Thomas, right? Those those are the guys you think of. But that was 10 years ago. That was 2012, right? Or 2013, whatever. Yeah. That was a decade ago. The last 10 years, even though Seattle themselves hasn't been the same defense as what the Legion of Boom was, they were still really, really freaking – okay, he was still really, really, really good. He Thank carried you. that defense. <laughs> Absolutely, wholeheartedly. And what you said, Vito, just look at the stats. Look at the tackle numbers. Dude has not had a season under 100 tackles in basically since those Legion of Boom teams when he was a rookie. He's always, and it's the command of the defense. It's the leadership. It's the quarterback of the defense. It's all of that stuff that goes into it. I mean, obviously, if you say the last 20 years, right, you're talking about Ray Lewis, you're talking about Brian Urlacher, you're talking about Hall of Famers. I think it's no question Bobby Wagner's a Hall of Famer. First ballot, in my in my opinion. If you just look at the stats, right, and you put them up against any other inside linebacker. And for the record, Patrick Willis is one of my all-time favorite players in the history of the NFL. And it's, it's a shame that as fans, we didn't get a chance to see his whole career play out the way that it could have. But if it had, I, I, the numbers would be identical. Um, he was, but Bobby Wagner was carrying a six, I believe, sixteen and a half million dollar cap hit this year. So if you're Seattle and you're moving on from Russell Wilson, you're scrapping the whole damn thing, right? You're scrapping it all, and you're saying we're building from ground zero. We're getting as much cap space as we can, and now Bobby Wagner is going to be on a team. And to, again, talk about a guy like if he goes to Kansas City, takes a cheap deal, completely changes that defense entirely. If he goes to the Chargers, who have cap space. Right. We just talked about that's a big hole for the Chargers. Mm -hmm. So he, in my opinion, I think is going to be the number one free agent uh, option, but he's not going to get talked about that way because we don't the the linebacker position. I don't think gets enough credit as for importance and significance as as it probably should. Um, Some other names that have been cut that are now available. Uh, Landon Collins was cut from the Washington whatevers. And, you know. (laughs) 
I Lane uh, whatever. <laughs> he is an interesting case study, right? Because he and Jamal Adams are very, very similar. Uh, you know, they they both run def- <laughs> run defending. I mean, they are like both great defending the run. Um, it, that's more of their funny. specialty. We, yeah, we were just talking about Seattle. It's funny. I'll throw the the five cents in here first. It's just that's a good point. That, yeah, that uh, Jamal uh, Adams forced his way out of Seattle or uh, out of New York oh. for, with the Jets. <laughs> now he's they gave up a shitload of picks too to get him out yeah. of New York. In um, New York's on the on the come up, I think mm-hmm. a little bit, but and now it's just funny that uh, now Jamal Adams is now on the uh, the Jets of the Northwest. <laughs> it's it is it is very funny, and hey, man, you know what? Like, I, I again, you look at these teams that are in contention that just need a couple of holes, right? Like they, I, these were, I think, you're getting the veterans, you're getting the experience, you're getting. I mean, and even still, Landon Collins is still relatively young. I mean, I, I, I he was still on his. He might have signed an extension. I don't think he signed an extension in Washington. I don't have his contract details up in front of me. Um, but I think it's a really good deal for uh for, for him to be able to go out because he's another guy I would love to have, you know. Like think of and again, similar to linebackers, we do this about the safety position too. Think about Tyron Matthew. When Tyron Matthew got into the league and played in Arizona, he was kind of an afterthought, really good, productive player. But I think because of the expectations, and I actually think we've talked about this before. Uh, Tyron Matthew didn't quite live it up. And now we talk about him as one of the top 20 best defensive players in the NFL, right? When he got to Kansas city, it was a total game changer. And it was that same deal comes off the rookie contract, free agency. He lands with the chiefs and he ends up winning a super bowl and going back to another and has been an absolute like benchmark of that team. So who who would be the teams? And obviously, we've talked a lot about the AFC West. Maybe we try to go into a different direction. <laughs> um, who would be the team right now that you think Landon Collins fits in? Forty Niners, Forty Niners. That's a good that, one. That is the secondary that needs help, and we will have the cap space to to do it, especially with uh, Jaquiski Tart leaving, most likely. <laughs> yeah, more more than likely. Yeah, I could see I could see a couple different spots, but <clears throat> some. Places with some cap space, like even a Jacksonville that knows they're trying to build something. Let's just acquire good talent. It's going to be someone like that, right? Because it's going to be, um, again, the fact that it's a free agent is so different. You don't have to give up anything. It makes it opens it up to a lot of people who are taking an opportunity, right? Not making a trade. So you're going to see some some people, I'm sure, that are these in this free agent category go to teams that maybe um, it isn't a huge need, but it's just an opportunity for that team to get better. Uh, so you look at them, uh, I think Tennessee's defense is good, but I'm just kind of whipping around the, the NFL. And, and, and the other thing I'm thinking about is on the NFC side, um, the NFC South, right. Is a very interesting division. It, it does. It, does Atlanta try and make a play now that you don't have Brady, you don't have breeze. It's a little different down there. You still have Matt Ryan. Do, do you grab a safety? Do you grab, make your defense a little better? Do you, do you try and get a weapon here or there with the Calvin Ridley thing, which you haven't even gotten into and yeah. do something in, I was in gonna that say. division. Yeah, I, I did a big thing about Calvin Ridley on Tuesday's pod. Um, yeah. and, and for as great as the AFC West is, the NFC South might be equally as bad. Like, who who is the betting favor right now to win? I would think it's probably Tampa Bay in case Tom Brady decides to play, because that's still not completely settled. Like, he is still not officially retired. He himself has not come out and said, 
And even as recently as last week, he said on his SiriusXM podcast that he, he he's still taking things day by day. So and I'm going to the Niners. You know the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, well, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay did say that they, or at least Bruce Arians said that they would not trade Brady's rights. And and if he was coming back, he was going to come back to play with the Bucks. Now, we all kind of said the same thing about when he left New England, and yet they were able to make that work. In fact, the exact same thing happened with Rob Gronkowski, who was retired, unretired. Tampa Bay had you know traded for his his rights and and all that stuff. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that division plays out because Tampa Bay franchise tagged Chris Godwin coming off of the ACL tear. Yeah. And that, and I mentioned this the other day, but it, it perked me up a little bit because if you're Tampa Bay, you're staring down the goat walking away after you win the Super Bowl, right? In, in 2020. And now we're kind of coming back. Would you, would you think? that you would then franchise tag a guy who just tore his ACL, who you would want to have for next season, assuming his recovery and everything goes well. If you thought like that, that is again, a winning move. So it's an odd, it's an odd choice. I would think Tampa Bay is probably the favorite, but I mean, for all we know, Kyle Trask might end up being the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bucks next year. I saw that report on get up the other day and I I started laughing. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Kyle Trask. there's a couple. There's a couple other players here, um, you know, that that got cut that are, are going to be available. I, I would say those two are are the big ones. We have Trey Flowers got cut by Detroit. That screams to me like, hey, I'm going to do what uh, Kyle Van Noy did and just run back to New England, right, um, and, and go try to compete. But Kyle Van Noy also did that when Tom Brady was there, and, and they were going to go try to win a championship. So uh, who, who knows? But Cut seasons and the intentions behind it are are very interesting. So we're going to keep it up. And we're not going to get into all the free agents because there's also been some news, like obviously the guys who didn't get tagged, someone like J.C. Jackson, who was one of the top two cornerbacks in the NFL this year, is not going to be a New England Patriot next season. So we'll get into a full offseason free agency once everything kind of gets settled and and, and we see where we're going. Um, All right, quick break. We're going to come back. Talk a little bit of baseball. We have play ball. We're here. Uh, and then again, the random life shit for the ages. All right. So we've talked a lot of football, but the other major storyline that came out today was the MLB and MLBPA finally getting a deal done. We're going to have baseball. We're going to have baseball. Um, Thank God. And I, you know, it's so funny. And Vito, you and I, like, I played the sport a lot. Like, I, I got recruited to play in college. Scotty, you were, like, all-star. Like, so I, I never realized until, you know, you and I got into one time just how good at, at the game you are. It's one of your biggest passions. Uh, I did a big <laughs> thing last week on it. Oh, fuck off. That's, that's, I'm, not, I'm never going to be nice to you again if you react like that. I'm just going to, like I said in the break, just my sadistic mind to watch, watch Trey Lance fail. Um, but this is like baseball is like your favorite thing, man. Uh, even though I did correctly predict the Atlanta Braves to win the world series last year, uh, in April, but you know, who's good, uh, nailed it. How happy were you when you saw that come across? I, you were the first person I thought. Uh, Very, very, because the, the, there was a 99 day holdout or lockout. And, and to me, the thing that upset me the most was that 
it was on both sides really but the master negotiator and rob manfred the commissioner of of major league baseball uh, wouldn't budge even a little bit on, on some of the relatively minor concessions and we're talking in like you know nine figures here of of some of the the concessions that were being asked for by the players and, and at that level it's we're talking about pennies it's like do you pay an extra you know twenty dollars for gas today instead of uh instead of what you can afford at 10 like come on like this is what the level we're talking at and so for him to be like i'm the master negotiator i'll help litigate all of this um and then to get into a meeting with uh with the with the players association and be like um nah we're not going to do anything that you're suggesting was just the most egregious part of this whole thing and and it wasn't for the players' lack of not wanting to to come to an agreement or or want to play. It just proved it was proof positive of how much, despite the the uh, the advances we've made in in labor relations uh, in professional sports, and I think the NBA is at the forefront of this, by the way. Uh, despite all of this, how much ownership and power the the owners of of these franchises have over uh over the sport so uh i'm glad we came to finally came to an agreement uh today uh i'll be able to go see baseball uh one of my favorite things to do in the summer is just buy cheap tickets to a game go sit out there and have a few beers so i'm glad we're going to be able to get to that point i agree And, and all things considered and i haven't gotten the chance to read through everything um, the last part of this was the international draft. They were still trying to hammer out the details on that. Uh, they were able to come to an agreement today, and that was the, the last thing. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm, so, curi- I'm curious for you, Scotty, though, because there's a few things here in this uh, this overall thing. And Vito, as, as more of a casual fan, uh, like how I kind of watch it, I'm curious on your thoughts here. Which of the new updates here? Because there's some, some weird shit like they're making the bases bigger. Right, which is supposedly a, a safety to prevent issue. injury, yeah, um, a safety thing, which I think is a good call. Though, if we're being honest, how often do we see that in baseball? Maybe a handful of times a year, a guy gets hurt, you know, going into a play. It seemed like a weird little detail, but I, I, if it's for player safety, I'm I'm all behind it, and it was something the players seemed to want. Um, the one that really jumped out to me, though, that I'm genuinely really excited for is the banning of the shift. I think banning the shift in baseball is so overdue. And I heard, um, uh, I'm blank. Why am I blanking the name? Uh, GM from the uh, Red Sox and the Cubs. Uh, Oh, Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein. Thank you. Um, I kept wanting to say Theodore. And I was like, who who do I know named Theodore? Uh, Probably is. Yeah. Given name. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I would assume so, but we don't know him as that. Um, But Theo Epstein, I heard on the Bill Simmons podcast, like, two years ago, I think it was like spring of 2020, uh, suggest that. And it was the first person I heard. And I went, oh, that would be such a simple fix to help improve the quality of the game because the shift stuff was just getting out of hand this whole time. So what stood out to you? What are you most excited about here that baseball has added um, or or maybe fixed? And maybe it's on more the contractual side. There's two things, uh, uh, three, actually, uh, one of which or two of which I think are bad and one good. Uh, I'll start with the bad news. The National League adopting the DH mm. is, as a National League fan, absolutely 
devastating. Really? To put it to put it mildly. Uh, look, don't get me wrong. I love what it does for the for the game progression. I love what it does for offense. But if you ask me, I'm a dyed in the wool, old school National League guy, and I love the strategy that's involved when you have the the nine hitter be your pitcher and you gotta you gotta move around the bases, right? It's yeah. not this it exacerbates the the home run or strikeout no not much in between uh, that we've seen in, uh, trending over the last couple of years that that's a so good that point of- well let me respond to that first because that is a good point um and, and as a as a someone who played the game i agree with you i do love that strategy stuff but if you think about it this way what if in the nfl because the mlb is the only sport that's ever had two different leagues where the rules are fundamentally different what yeah. if in the nfl in the AFC, you were allowed to have as many wide receivers on the field as you wanted, but in the NFC, you could only have two, right? No, you know, I, like, I agree. Or yeah. you had to run the wishbone or something. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, that's what's keeping me from like exploding about it, right? Like, yeah. When you when you think about it in context and like, and we and we don't have game. to watch hitters or pitchers bat one fifteen, but also right. like the skills of sacrifice bunts and stuff like that. That baseball fans like the old school baseball fans and guys who grew up playing like we do love that stuff but the casual baseball fan does not give a shit about that and so and that and that's the area where baseball has been lacking for so long is exactly. finding ways to connect to young young fans and so hey you want to set up 40 year old david ortiz or whatever to just hit bombs because he can still do that i'm all for that you know because that's going to yeah. help grow the game but i i do absolutely you lose a piece of the history with that, and, and that I do think is fair. Like Joe Blanton hitting a home run in the 2008 World Series. I just saw that video the other day. It, a pitcher hit a home run in the World Series, and it mattered. That is sick. Yeah. So you yeah. lose that. But that's one of millions, one, basically, yeah. right? Like that's yeah. never something that happens, and, and I think there's only right. been two pitchers to ever do that. So, um, And, then, the, and uh, then what's the other thing? The other that – the other – there's – Two more. I have one more that discourages me, and then one that I, I'm happy about. One Let that discourages rip. me is the uh, is the deduction of uh, of minor league teams. Um, I think it's just a, a money grab for organizations to just increase profit margins, but it screws a lot of. I mean, think of how many youth baseball organizations and, and international organizations that these teams try to farm out to, uh, and. and the pool of college players that come out, uh, which is huge. By the way, my, my uh, cousin Drew Dashbaugh playing for the uh, for the Orioles Double A. Uh, we'll get him on the podcast. Talk talk a little ball, uh, but yeah, I just it's guys like that that I'm like, you're trying so hard, and he, he it took him so long to get to this level, right? And now you're you're going to just up and eliminate that because uh, a team's fr- trying to increase their profit margin. That to me is that to me is ridiculous when yeah. you're talking about the the numbers involved. So I agree. Uh, uh, so that uh, I'm not a fan of the the thing I do like is uh, is the draft lottery. Hmm. Uh, so they're implementing a draft lottery style like the NBA to for, to uh, eliminate tanking, which over 162 game season is real easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so. To discourage that, they were the MLB is implementing a, a draft lottery uh, akin to the NBA. So um, hopefully that'll help the uh, the competitive balance a little bit. That's great, uh, Vito. As again a more casual baseball fan, 
yeah. I don't expect you to know all the stuff that's in there, but what of what we've talked about, banning the shifts, bigger bases, uh, and the stuff that Scotty rattled off there too, the DH, what gets you most excited as a casual well, fan? Because you're the exact demographic that baseball is trying to suck in and that the players were fighting for in this CBA to help you know actually grow the league. Right. And for me, what's funny is, is I actually, I loved the fact that the national league didn't have the DH and everything. Like I, what was cool for me was that like, there was a difference Mm -hmm. and, and, and what's really interesting about just that entire side is just that they, these teams would play each other, you know, cross divisional games and and all this stuff was just so different. It, It was one of the last sports where it was very unique. It was a, this is the way I see it. The NFL is one league and there's two conferences. Baseball has two leagues mm. and the world series between them. Right. Like it, it was instrumentally different. And I liked that. There was something unique about it. Um, I get the uniformity. I understand why they made the decision, I but knew I, really, I liked you, Vito. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a cool fact, right? It's an interesting thing about sports. And the other thing that's unique to baseball than anywhere else is your stadium has different lengths and dimensions and everything. And from, I just think that that's interesting because home field advantages are real. Um, the, but what I'm actually most excited about, Jeff, to, to get to your point, it wasn't a rule change or anything like that because I am a casual fan. But I have to say, if they went on strike and this elongated, it was going to really harm my interest in baseball. I'm in Cleveland right now, and the Guardians, brand Guardian. Guardians, uh, um, are, are going to get started here. You know, in the next couple of months. And and what's exciting for me is. I actually can look forward to this summer going to baseball games. I mean, the stadium's two blocks from my place. Like, it's a great it's ballpark. Jacob's Field's a great ballpark. I can't wait, man. I, and, and we have well, a city in the background. And <laughs> what's so cool about it is that, again, it's close by. I know I'm going to spend a lot of time there when it's nice out here. And I'm just happy that baseball is back as yeah. an option while we have an all these other leagues out. Without baseball – to go to it feels like you're missing just an event there's something you can do always well not always but there's a lot of games right so Mm -hmm. during the week on weekends having earlier games there's nothing like a early weekend baseball game if you can get one of those you know what i mean i love Mm -hmm. going to them having some beers like scotty's saying or like a summer thursday night too you know like where it's like it's it's not quite the weekend but like hey let's go out and do something you get a nice sunset no i i love that man i I'll be honest, the, th- the thing that does excite me the most is the shift. I, I, I just think fundamentally in, in a sport that I think the biggest problem with baseball, and there's a lot of them, but the biggest problem with baseball has been a competitive balance, which is why I like the lottery, um, because I think it's going to disincentivize teams to tank, uh, even though there will still be teams that do. You know, the NBA had to add the play-in games to help fix tanking too, and it's, that's done an unbelievable job I think job we'll get it. there. Yeah, I think we also we expanded to a 12 team playoff now as well. So in baseball, we're adding two more teams to the to the postseason, one for each league, which I think is great. And it is definitely a a positive thing for baseball, because, again, more opportunities to go play, you know, more opportunities for guys to get a chance to to go and make the playoffs. And so hopefully that and the lottery will curtail some of this, because, like, you think about the Baltimore Orioles, right? You know, one of the best ballparks in America, Camden Yards, and they couldn't get more than two or 300 people to go to those games, man. Like people just don't get even Washington. The Washington nationals were defending world series champions. And I bought a ticket to go to a game standing room for three ninety nine. 
$3.99 to get into the ballpark. And then food and beer. Yeah, I was going to say, and then you buy one beer and it, it, it ends up trumping, you know, <laughs> everything you end up costing because you're paying $20 for, for a fucking Bud Light. But I, I just think fundamentally the issue of baseball and the watchability of it has, has been because of, you know, going back to Moneyball and this analytics-driven stuff that that everybody loved, and and because there are so many games, you know, you can use these advanced stats and these formulas and you know all that stuff to try to come up with your own team. And so much of that was implemented on the field through the shift, where you would have a second baseman playing shallow right field, you would have three guys on one side of the field. And then your fourth infielder is standing there right behind second base. So half the field is wide open. That to me was a, a significant problem in the watchability. Cause it no longer felt like baseball. I'm like, we're, we're watching analytics on, on a field we're, we're this right. isn't baseball anymore. We're watching something else. So to change that just from a viewing perspective, it's going to start looking like baseball again, because just the simple, like, I will, I turn on a baseball game and there's a guy at third base, there's a guy at shortstop, there's a guy at second, there's a guy at first. You couldn't do that anymore. Fielders. Yeah, you could like you could not do that anymore. That's not what yeah. sport looked like. So, you know, it's like whenever in NFL teams, right? And and sometimes they do those weird kicking, you know, lineups where it's like there's the center and the holder right underneath, and then all it's the offensive funny. linemen <laughs> run to the side. <laughs> That's yeah. what it felt like, but that was every team in every single game. So I, I love the fact that they banned almost it. every pitch or a bat, at least. Mm -hmm. and it would change because you get a script. There's, there's no creative uh, creativeness. There's no art uh, artistry with this with this analytics driven it's, baseball. Yeah, it's just data collection. Yeah, and I th and I think that's antithetical to what baseball's supposed to be, which is the the great American game. So I'm excited. I'm so pumped for baseball, and then I'll get bored of it from like May until September, and then I'll get into <laughs> it again. But then football will come around. Well, from my standpoint, yeah. like this is awesome to hear about because I I don't know the shift. I don't get that, but like. That makes a lot of sense as the result. And I get what you're saying when you see it, but like, that's not what I'm looking at as a casual fan, but I'm glad that that's happening. And I'm glad to hear the results of what that will, um, what will come from it. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I, I think it's great. And the players still, you know, the MLB and the MLBPA are, are as bad of a union and, uh, and company dynamic as we have in America. Uh, like, and, and I, don't mean to be over the top or dramatic about that. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's as bad as any of them. Uh, and so I'm glad. And, and honestly, Vito, the point you made, I think is the most pressing thing, which is that if they hadn't gotten this done soon, if this lockout had continued to go casual baseball fans would lose faith in it. And then they have to make that internal decision. Like, is it, do I really want to watch baseball? Do I really want to do? You don't even want to get to that point as a as a consumer, right? For your product, you don't want your consumers ever going. Why do I need to do this, <laughs> right? You want to prevent that conversation in you know from ever happening. So uh, I love it. All right, closing up the pod with what I think is might be uh, the best <laughs> random life shit I've had. So uh, last week, Monday. Uh, not this past or most recent Monday, but the Monday before. Uh, I just found out about my new job. So I wake up and I'm kind of processing that stuff. And I go to check my email and I refresh my email. And I get, you know, you, when you wake up in the morning, you get like 30 emails that hit. And some of them are spam. Some of them aren't. Um, I'm going to pull up and read this to you guys. And <laughs> this is sharing uh, probably more than I've, I've done really on this, uh, on this podcast. Um, 
so forgive me here while I got to go back and, and find it. I'm probably actually not going to be able to because I moved it to my junk. So I'm not going to waste time. I got an email from a random person. Uh, Being in Nigeria. I get it. And, and this is the thing. Right? Please don't judge me terribly for what I'm, what I'm going to say here. I found it. Here we go. Uh, it's subject Jeff Gimple. So my name. And I'm not going to read all of it. But uh, this is what it said. And this, by the way, didn't come in my spam folder. It just came in my regular email feed. It says, Jeff Gimple, you seem to be an adult, and I don't wish to lecture you, but you are behaving like a teen. Someday your gross behavior can destroy your life. Think of it. Everyone from time to time satisfies himself or herself, but why practice it so often as you do? I watch you via your webcam. And I'm getting to feel disgusted because of your passion for orgasms. Watch your online safety. This is my chargeless advice. He then goes on to say, I managed to shoot some clips and I have no intention of giving out advice. But because I did, you have 44 hours to satisfy these claims. 1250 USD. And then he gives a Litecoin account. And he says, when you started to read this message, the countdown started. You'd better make haste. I do not like waiting. Your contact list will see the clip I shot within 80 hours if I don't see my money. My demands are definitive. Don't try to reach out to me. It's no use. What? <laughs> that came in as a normal email. From a if random you person. You don't send this to Whoa, 10 other people. Man. I would have 100% unplugged <laughs> all is, my electronics real quick. Oh, how, what did you do? You, and you did that in the morning? I did. I do. I was, it was because I've been running the morning show. So I'm waking up at like 5.30 in the morning, five o'clock. And I wake up and I see this right away. And of course, the first thought in my head is, this is a, it's a scam. It's fake. It's, yeah. you don't got to worry about it. Okay. I'm going through in my brain, trying, trying to rack being like, all right, no, this is, this is fake. This is no fake. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Right. But in the back of my head, man, in the back of my head, 1% of my brain was like, yeah, but what if it's real? So I start doing all this research. Right. And I'm like looking into what it says. So yeah, you know what I. Oh no, Scotty! We lost. You know what I think it is, Jeff? What, what is it, Scott? I think it's Catholic guilt. <laughs> it might be. That's been known to pop up from time to time in my life. Um, though I was not super, super religious growing up either, uh, dude. So I am like seeing this, and I'm telling myself like, "You're fine, you're fine." But again, back in my head. So I, I do this research, and I'm like. What is this? Like, I know this is a thing that spammers do. It's called sextortion, which is when people, mm. you know, because of some leak of emails, they're able to get your name and they're able to get your email and they can scare you into doing this. What I found out was that through the first six months of 2021, it happened to 80, uh, it was 80 or 850,000 Americans had reported something like this happening. And in total, they had given over $30 million to these scammers because people actually believe it. So I'm doing this research, right? And I'm like, okay, 
well, this is a scam. This is the sextortion or whatever. But there's still that 1% in the back of my mind being like, I don't know. And then I read multiple articles that say 99% of the time it's fake. You don't got to worry about it. And I'm like, well, wait, does that mean that there are examples where this is real? And there actually are. There's examples where this happens. It's super rare. It's super rare. But I'm sitting there being like, holy shit, I am terrified. Uh, how could this even happen? I don't go on cre- creepy, bad websites. On uh, You know, like, I, I swear I was clean. But I didn't have that thought until like 12 hours after this email. And then once I did, I was like, okay, I'm good. I was like, I, I don't use my, like, I don't do any of that shit on my computer. My computer's fine. But it scared the living shit out of me. And uh, eventually I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll put this countdown up. I put a timer on my phone for the countdown. <laughs> did it pass? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Trust me. You all would have heard. I didn't get I- any context. Yeah, I didn't get any, I didn't get any text. So I, I'm guessing you figured this out. So you paid him. What you're telling me is you paid him and it's all done now. He gave him the Litecoin. It's over. Our boy Jeff's safe. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. He just emailed me. He wants another 12 grand. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, to say the least, I did not pay uh, anything. I also really wanted to respond back and be like, dude, if you have all this information about me, then you would know that my bank account does not have enough money to pay you that right now. <laughs> it's just like, dude, what? Yeah, you're, you're coming to the wrong. Guy. You're not smart at all. I would, oh, I would love to have like that response and be like, which um, which angle did you get me from? I have a few webcams I have up here, uh, a few cameras. So, how was the lighting? Did it look? Yeah, did it look good? Did you need another one? <laughs> like, well, my ex girlfriend be impressed or unimpressed? That's really where we're. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, yeah, that is that is crazy. Yeah. yeah. It- it was it was a Monday, man. I woke up to an email telling me I got a new job, and then immediately after that, talk about yeah, a Monday. You know your life is in danger. Roller coaster. I just <laughs> some of the lines, man. Like it, it's it was really like ri- it was written in a way that perfectly would scare the shit out of you. You know, like it, that's it, a hacker. Oh my as god! As you read man. it, is it bad that I just imagined it had all caps? I don't know what it was, but like I imagined as you read it. So like, it wasn't all caps, but it was like the U is like the letter U, right? Instead of like yeah. Y O U, so it's like stuff but, like that. Yeah. And, and the grammar is bad, but you're like, all right, well, this is probably somebody foreign hacking in, you know, doing this stuff. Like it just blended a, together perfectly. It was as oh. a cybersecurity professional left fact you see that something yeah yeah it's, well, it's, i think go isn't ahead that what's funny isn't that what's funny is like anytime that started off right when we'd have tea this is this is for you younger folk listening at uh, jeff you might even be the cutoff here hmm. did you have did you have um abc texting or t9 texting when you started i had t9 okay because i remember when it was like First of all, that's just like a thing that'll always bond a group of our human beings. Yeah. Like T9 texting was elite. Um, but before that, when it was ABC and you had to hit click number two, three times to get to the letter C, right? And you had to do all that stuff. Doing the letter U was cool. Like it actually helped, right? Yeah, there was a purpose once, for it. Once we got to T9, that was done. So there was like a, a little gap there where like it was like, oh yeah, like 
mom, did you really write out the word you? I'm in like fourth grade and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's actually, you just put the, and, and like, oh yeah, I can't believe how you guys don't get this. And then like two years later it was irrelevant. So now I love how every single time, Scott, to your point, you see that you're like, you fucking idiots. Like clearly I know you're a computer because no actual human has done that since 2006. Well, what's funny is that like, came out. we we used to think it was cool. Like, oh yeah, like, yeah, I, you know, all these little slangs, all that little stuff. Like we were all about it. But then our parents, it's almost like what happened with Facebook, where like our, our parents eventually caught up to it. And then we were like, nah, we're over that. But then our parents <laughs> still did it. Yeah, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> oh my God. I just I I saw that man and dear Lord, dear Lord, did that scare the shit out of me. And again, all the time knowing I'm being so irrational, I know I'm fine. But that one yeah. percent, man, that one percent just sticks Ugh. in your brain. Everyone from time to time satisfies himself or herself. <laughs> what I, one random question to go? It's okay. <laughs> are you guys? Are you guys the people who like your inbox is like you've read every email or like like I mm, the down. dots I'm like the, the notifications person. right? Like, yeah. do, is your email say one million or a hundred thousand emails I'm a, I'm unread? A, yeah. Or, I'm at like 25,000 on red. Yeah. Oh, uh, dude, you got to clear that. I just went <laughs> yeah, through I'm a, a clear overhaul of, I went through a massive overhaul of my Gmail because it was like, you've used 94% of your, uh, of your space on your, on your Google drive. And I was like, well, I better start clearing shit out. <laughs> See, I know you guys got like 20 years old. <laughs> we had this, we had this debate on, on air. It was me and Andy Staples and, and somebody else. We were, we were doing a radio show. And we, we went through and he had over a million emails. He had hit that crop, that threshold because he was like, why would I go back and clear them out? He's like, well, I don't give a shit. And he's like, why would I go clear it out? And I'm like, but the email comes in. It's not something you need to delete it. And then the shit that you need doesn't get buried down. You have to go looking for it. He's like, but then I can just search for it. And we yeah. did like a 15 minute debate on this whole thing. And what ultimately what we came up with is some people are clears and some people aren't. That's it. It's great. And on that note, that's the read option podcast for today boys long overdue great podcast uh listeners out there i know i mentioned it on tuesday the numbers they're at all-time highs they're getting better i have confirmed a lot of awesome guests i i gave the rundown to scotty and Vito before the show and Get they excited, were folks yeah they were excited including what some might say is the biggest bust in nfl history so there's your teaser. And what some might say is the best value pick in the <laughs> NFL drafts in NFL history. So both uh, are, are hopefully coming up here soon. So get ready. We will be back on Tuesday. We're going to start hitting some NFL offseason. And of course, we have to react to whatever the hell's going on right now in Philadelphia between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. And Sunday. Sunday, selection madness. Sunday, get it ready, get it all over yourself. For the boys, I'm Jeff. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and we will talk to you then. And as always, take it easy, everybody.